0: Welcome to Monday through Friday cellular agriculture for pandemic-free future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 23. It is Thursday, August 6th, at about 5:41 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, I think we've done enough sermonizing for the week. Um, I want to review the basics again, because then you'll understand what the sermonizing is all about and why, you know, why it's necessary. So, and again, you know, I'm going to be doing this sometimes. You, you need to hear the same thing over and over dozens of times before it sinks in. You know, that's how we are as human beings. I mean, like, remember as a kid, like, you know, your parents might say, how many times do I have to tell you this? And you figure like, well, 36, 37, you know. But then I'll think but all right, so um so let's let's first you know I made an outline so I can present this in a uh, reasonable order. let us just go start with what is happening, what you know what ex- we're experiencing I mean this is like you know it's not new to you but but it's you know we need to just this is the first thing we need to consider so so basically, you know, there's been a lot of loss of life, loss of health, you know, the social distancing, the isolation, depression now, you know, people are worried, you know, about their future, school closings, closed down businesses, a lot of businesses have gone bankrupt, job losses, a lot of people just, you know, there's, there's over a million unemployment claims every week for 20 weeks now. Uh, People are, you know, I don't know if people are being evicted yet. In New York State, not yet, but, you know, some of these other states, you know. Um, And, you know, lastly, if you want to put a number on it, the Congressional Budget Office predicted in May that once this is all done, it will have cost us $8 trillion. That's got to be a conservative estimate because that's before this surge that we're experiencing now. All right, so, you know, this this has taken a toll on us in so many ways. And naturally we just we don't want this to ever happen again. And that's what this series is about. This is this series is about presenting a way to not, you know, to give our, our children, our grandchildren, future generations this gift of a pandemic-free future. You know, some people who perhaps um, are pessimistic aren't. Are accustomed to uh, to appreciating what we as humanity have done and can do. We'll tell you, well, that's that's not really all that possible, you know. The epidemiologists, you know, they'll say, well, you know, it's not a matter of if we'll get another pandemic; it's a matter of when. And like, yes, under status quo scenario, business as usual, right? But you know. We don't have to keep doing things like we were doing in the past that brings us at risk for future pandemics. All right, so the second thing we need to understand is this pandemic is zoonotic, meaning it's transferred from animals to humans. And generally, the way this works, it's, it's, transfer, it's transferred. Bats you know, are reservoirs. They carry a lot of these diseases. I don't know why. Uh, Rats do too sometimes, but basically they, um, the transmission of disease goes from the bat who sometimes they they just carry it. They don't get these diseases. They they carry it, They, they infect, let's say a chicken on a farm or a pig, and then this pig will get infected and infect human beings. You know, it gets transmitted from wild animal to domestic animal, to human being, and then we human beings infect each other. So that is, uh, that's basically what, what we're dealing with. And um, so now there, there are two main risks that uh, we need to protect against that both come from, well, from animals in a way. Um, the first one is, is naturally, we don't wanna have any more pandemics like this, you know? And the second is what, what people don't realize Or don't fully appreciate is and what some experts actually believe is a far greater risk is that when we farm animals, especially in our factory farms all throughout the world, you know, they are in such unsanitary conditions, horrible conditions and in many ways, but, but extremely unsanitary that 80% 80% of the antibiotics that we have, that we've developed to cure human diseases so we can have an operation and then not be afraid of, 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 you know, of a bacterial infection or of a plague, because you know bacteria can cause plague um, pandemics also, 80% of these um, antibiotics are used in the farming of animals, in factory farming. So what's happening is that these bacteria are becoming antibacteria resistant. We, we've been using, for example, the same antibiotic for decades. All of a sudden we discover that it's working less and less. It's less and less effective. And this, this is because the more we use the antibiotics, the more of an opportunity these bacteria have to mutate and to develop to develop defenses against you know, our antibiotics. All right, so those are the two main risks, pandemics both from viruses and bacteria, and then you have this additional bacterial superbugs, they call them, these, these, these bacteria that have developed resistance, and once we get them, you know, we have, we have no defense against them. Okay, so that, those are the risks. Okay, now answers, um, potential answer especially for the, for the viruses is that um, we're working on, you know, we're working on a vaccine for this coronavirus. Now, what happens with a lot of, in the standard procedure is, well, you get an outbreak or an epidemic or pandemic, and then the researchers go to work at trying to find a vaccine for this. And, and, and let me, you know, keep in mind, it's not always, possible. For example, AIDS has been around for the 80s. There's still no vaccine for AIDS. Okay. Um, So the the fastest um, vaccine has ever been developed was in response to the 1957 influenza, I believe, here in the United States. Uh, Must have been across the world. But that took about four years to develop. And the the average time to develop a vaccine is between 10, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Who knows? But um, but it's, it's more than 10 years. And fine, we're fast tracking this. We 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 we've, we've um, and this is great. You know, we we we've, we've recognized the seriousness of our situation, and we've pumped a lot, essentially, more money into the, the research. You know, these researchers and these young kids are very bright, very brilliant, many of them. But they'll follow the money. You know, and um, well, that's how we raise them, you know. They just, you know, the pharmaceuticals give them like tons of money, and then they may be working on uh, something of far less importance. So, so basically, we're, we're now, and I think they see it also. You know, we we see that we need to devote. So, like, there's about I think there's 90 different companies working on a universal vaccine. A vaccine. That, the, the key is to to have a vaccine that works against a coronavirus an influenza virus you know all of them or we may have to have a few because influenza is a bit different than corona and you know, a few of the others but to to have that resistance all right the problem with this again that at the current rate of funding um, they probably won't be available this universal vaccine probably won't be available for at least 10 years this is this is not my opinion this is a uh, podcast that Anthony Fauci was on that I listened to yesterday the day before and he makes the point you know we're looking at at least 10 years and he he recorded the podcast in last November Um, and that may be very uh, optimistic so so the first point of this and it's not really the intent of this series but when I began to to get much much more acquainted with with the, the information that we have. I realized it has to be included. So, like the first message of this is that uh, we need to spend a lot more money on universal vaccines. So, you know, I'm thinking ordinarily, I mean, I'm guessing there's maybe like $5 billion spent on this, probably not too much. I see some of the numbers, like the National Institutes of Health just gave this company a grant, but it was only what, like $350 million? which is a lot of money, but compared to... So anyway, so like the first message of this is like, we should probably spend, you know, $50 billion on, um, on researching these uh, universal vaccines. And um, and I'm not really sure. I've got, I've got to do more research. Uh, these universal vaccines work against Bacterial, um, viral infections. I've, I've got to research whether they're also working on one for for bacterial infections. You know, they, you know, so it covers both threats. um So instead of having having antibiotics, all of a sudden we become well. Actually, that's so much more difficult because so many we have a lot of positive bacteria in our body all the time in our gut. You know, we have more bacteria in our in our body, than we have human cells. So, all right, I'm not sure how, how possible that is. All right, so that's, that's the, the, the third point. We need to invest $50 billion, probably $100 billion, you know, like for these universal vaccines. Um, the first, fourth point, um, you know, sometimes you hear newscasters, politicians extremely mistakenly say that this is a one-in-100-year event. No. No, I mean, they're comparing it to the uh, 1918 flu that killed, yeah, between 50 and 100 million people. But we've had pandemics. You know, the AIDS, you know, we discovered it in the 80s. It's killed over 20 million people. We've had... um, you know, especially in the 2000s, you know, SARS, MERS, Ebola, you know, Zika you know, the, 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 the problem is that because of our, let's say, increased transportation, we're flying 4 billion passenger airline flights every year. Um, factory farms are everywhere, whereas in, in 1918, there, there were very few. Um, so so we're we at a lot more risk for these pandemics than we were 50 years ago or 100 years ago. So, so it's, it's not accurate to say this is a one in 100 year event. Um, so um, again, they're, they're happening. pandemics are happening with increasing frequency. So all right, here's, the, here's the, the main message of the show. Um, we need to end factory farming, period. We can't, you know, if, if we don't do this, then we're gonna be waiting 10, 15, 20 years for, for this um, universal vaccine for a virus, and then we could hit, be hit with a bacterial infection or something. In other words, we're gonna be living in dread for a decade or two, and we may not be that lucky, because again, these, these outbreaks are increasing in frequency, all right? So, so basically, um, yeah, unless we completely end factory farming, it's quite probable that we will experience another pandemic before these vaccines are available, okay? That's, that's the key message that I'm, you know, delivering the key warning, the key, you know, point of information and yeah and like you know people have to realize this this COVID-19 is a relatively mild virus you know there have been some viruses i believe the um we had a swine flu epidemic pandemic in 2009 many people don't hear about it because people don't talk about this that much but it was um it killed about i I believe 60 percent of of the people that it infected You you know we we were Right now, coronavirus is killing maybe one, two percent. So these things can get a lot worse. Okay. So, all right. Actually, that maybe this is the. Uh, I've got a few key points. Uh, the the next key point is that um, you know, I mean, think it through. I mean, like you know, add one and one. We either go vegan. You know, end farming, we have to end farming, you know. I mean, that, that's not a, an option. We end both factory farming and family farming, because, for example, the 1918 influenza, again, killed 50 to 100 million people, they believe, originated in a family farm. They, you know, there they were very few, if any, factory farms back then. So, uh, so we've got to end the farming of animals. But, so like, you know, that, that doesn't mean we have to end the eating of meat, dairy, eggs, fish, you know, because because um, fortunately, you know, in 2013, just seven years ago, I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this is kind of like, you know, we um, we're being deprived, you know, well, We're being uplifted from farming these animals because it's such a horrible business. We're we're being made better people and we're not being made to sacrifice something we've gotten accustomed to. So 2013, the first proof of concept that this technology works. Uh, Mark Post, a researcher from the Netherlands, premiered the first hamburger patty completely grown in a lab completely animal cruelty free okay he he did it to an international uh, audience in london and since then there are about 40 or 50 startups racing to um, to 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 meet the challenges because like that was hamburger they're working on pork they're working on seafood on dairy on eggs they're working to to be able to like meet the research challenges to ultimately Get, bring these products to supermarkets. Those, those those first three hamburger patties, there were three of them. Uh, they were financed by Sergey Brin, one of the co founders of Google, and each of them cost about $330,000. Um, so, you know, we want to bring the price down. I think now the price uh, is they can make them for about $10 each, okay, which is a, an amazing you know, achievement already. But you know, we need to get lower than that. And again, there's a lot of different products. There's seafood, uh, foie gras, you know, beef, pork. So um, so here's here's maybe this is the, the, the most important message. Um, as with vaccines, you know, right now this new cellular agriculture industry, clean meat, cultured meat, um, cell based meat, it has various names. It um it has maybe about a billion and a half in funding invested in it over these last seven years. And at this rate of investment, you know, industry insiders, I've spoken to some of them, uh, and they, you know, they, they, they report this, they're, you know, they're candid with this. They, they, um, they predict that it may take 10 years or longer for these products to be in supermarkets, you know, to any substantial number, you know, where you can go there and just like, you know, you get a hamburger or a chicken, whatever, you know. And so like, let me, let me backtrack um, because you, you probably aren't familiar with this and I'm not sure I'll be able to get through everything, but I've got about nine more minutes. Basically what they do is they take a cell, a biopsy, a group of cells from an animal in a pain, completely painless way. They can, for example, take a feather of a chicken and do this. And then they take these cells and they put them in a medium a growth medium, a food, really, you know, nutrients. Um, And they trick the cell somehow, you know, I'm not a biologist, to believe it's still in the animal. So, uh, and somehow they manipulate it to, um, to just grow into whatever kind of meat we want, you know, we want, um, you know, light meat, dark meat, if it's chicken, you know, hamburger, or whatever. So basically these, these cells multiply and that's, that's it. It's nothing more complicated like that. It doesn't involve genetic modification and it's, it has to be done in sterile environments. And that, that's very important because that's what protects us. In other words, like if we're shifting from farming animals, factory farms especially, to this lab grown meat, fish, dairy, then we're basically removing the opportunity for these outbreaks to happen. You know, a bat is not going to get into one of these labs. You know, there there are no animals to to infect in there. You know, so it's a completely sanitary process, and that's what's key. Um, so anyway, so at the rate of research, um, rate of spending now, it may be ten or, or years or longer, and. Uh, and again, you know, um, we haven't been that lucky, you know, with, with this pandemic. Uh, you know, do we really wanna go another 10, 15 years just in dread of the, this next one? And this is after, you know, who knows how long it'll take us to come out of this one. It may take a year or two. The New York Times podcast said it, we may be going in waves, you know, opening and closing society back and forth three, four times. This may take three, four years. So, uh, so the idea is, that just like I uh, suggested, we invest fifty billion dollars in um, in universal vaccines. We should absolutely invest fifty billion dollars—not tomorrow, not next year, you know, three years—but beginning or well, once realistically, once Biden gets into office, because you know Trump and the Republicans are just not going to do this. Okay, so we immediately inject fifty billion dollars into this research, and you know. Just like we're fast-tracking the vaccine for coronavirus, it ordinarily takes 10, 20 years, we may have one in a year because we're pumping so many resources, we can do the same thing for this new industry. Okay, we pump $50 billion into it, and we'll discover that you know, in two, three years, so many more researchers are, are working on the problems, so much, so many more research, resources, are devoted to the, to the problem. You know, they get the right equipment, they, they, you know, so much more interest, more people. And, and all of a sudden, you know, instead of it taking 10, 15, 20 years for these products to be in supermarkets you know, uh, to a great degree, we have them in two or three years. You know, that's a realistic assessment. Again, just, just look at what we're doing with the vaccine. So that's, that's the point. So $50 billion now, people might say, oh, that's so much money. But is it really? Again, remember, uh, the Congressional Budget Office estimated in May that this coronavirus is going to cost us $8 trillion. So what is $50 billion as a percentage of that? It's one-half of 1%. Um, By comparison, you know, the average homeowner, you know, let's say a home, home. cost, let's say, $220. It's not around here in Westchester, but someplace where homes are cheaper, houses. Um, and they will invest you know, $1,000 a year. For over, over 10 years, they'll invest $10,000 to ensure that home against theft, fire, you know, damages. And so that investment to protect the home, and we all know that homes generally don't get lost to fire and, and theft and all that. This is, a, this is like buying peace of mind so you know homeowners spend about 7% of the cost of their no no 4.5% i'm sorry 4.5% of the cost of their home in homeowners insurance for something that very likely is not going to happen so we're we're just like you know again 50% 50 billion dollars is one half of 1% 7 times less than the average homeowner spends to ensure their home against something that hardly, you know, that's really, you know, again, it's, it's a peace of mind investment. So, all right. So, um, so, now let's put things together. You know, having already spent $4 trillion on the coronavirus and expecting to spend another four, probably at least, again, because, like, you know, there had been surges, uh, it would be the height of folly, of irresponsibility, of corruption. For our politicians to not invest this money, you know, tax the super rich if you need to. You know, it's not like we don't have the money. Um, you know, this we're living in an in an age of of. of there's more income income inequality now than there was during the Great Depression. You know, it's uh, it's really not good, not right. So um, so that's what we need to do. We we need to invest this money again, not. In two years or three years. We want to invest in now, starting in January. So um, let's, you know, I've only got about three and a half minutes left. Let's go a bit into the religion. You know, um, this is probably punishment from God. I mean, the the way we treat those animals are so horrible. Just one example. And I think I'm going to like devote one show. There's a book that I have, a Kindle book that just has so many examples. Egg laying hens, they're cramped in cages, sometimes four or five, six at a time, in a small cage. The cage is so small that none of the birds have enough room to spread their wings. And they spend a year there. These these cages are stacked on top of each other. So that the, the chickens in the top cages are defecating, urinating on the chickens in the bottom cages. And that's one reason why they're pumped full of antibiotics, because you know the, the conditions are so unsanitary, so so um so conducive to pandemic. So, so again, I, I'm thinking this is probably, you know, what we're going through is a punishment from God. Just like, you know, God at a certain point said, hey, enough with slavery, you know, and I, I guess we were punished with the Civil War, but that's what it took, and and we ended slavery. So now it's time to abolish these factory farms. where We're, we're actually deserving, if you think about it this way, this punishment, because our, our are, you know, considering how much, especially we in the rich countries have, how many blessings we have, that we're treating these animals like this is beyond horrible. You know, you can't, you know, we can't call ourselves good people and still be doing this. All right. So, uh, all right, we got through it. And, and again, I, I will continue to, to um, deliver this message over and over. The thing is like, yes. Um, until until you get it. Now, when when will we know when 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 you get it? Well, when, when the politicians start talking about it and the, when the funds are released, that's when I'll know that the message has gotten through. So your job in this is to talk about it. I'm, if you don't believe some of that, I'm, some of what I'm saying, you know, it's all on the internet. So just Google it. You know, there's a lot of videos. You know, look at the work. You know, Anthony Fauci. If, if you Google Anthony Fauci's name. He appears on a lot of videos. You, you can have it, you know, this stuff straight from the authorities. Okay. But once you're convinced that what I'm saying is true, talk about it. Talk about it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, you know. If you have contacts with um, with Congress people, with politicians, you know, let them know about it. Chances are they don't know about it. You know, this is a brand new field, and politicians are just like, they're so invested in re-election and all, they're, they're just not up on, on so much that, that, that we need to, you know, to you know, thrive in our future. Uh, that's just the, the, the nature of, of, of politics now. So we have to make them aware of that. All right, we've got about 30 seconds left. All right, watch this every Monday through Friday at 5 PM on White Plains Community Media, channel 76 if you get Optimum, 45 you get Verizon, and the episodes are also on YouTube. So again, starting on Sunday. I'm not sure whether I'm going to go back to sermonizing. Hopefully, maybe I'll have some new information. I'm still reading a lot about pandemics and all. So have a great weekend, and I will see you um, in a few days. Thanks.